It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Time for another episode of Make the Dough Rise. Walter Storholt here alongside Brian Doe, the certified financial planner at Living Worth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond with an office in Greensboro, Georgia. You can find us online at MakeTheDoughRise.com. Brian, thanks for being here this week. What's going on in your world? Well, we're slogging along with the uh, real estate fiasco. And maybe <laughs> fiasco is a bit of a strong word, but it's a harsh word. Yeah. You know, when you get offers, you get low ball offers and you're ping ponging mm. back and forth with counter offers. And uh, yeah, it's just a process and it's a bit of a roller coaster for everybody when you got uh, when you got the whole family involved. You sound like one of those sellers where emotions definitely come into the equation a little bit. I'm less emotional. I'm, I can be very rational. I can go straight to the bottom line, have a kind of conversation and cut through the, the chase. My wife, Laura, likes, she gets more emotional. She gets very excited when things are going well. And then, you know, when they fall through, she takes it on, you know, just as hard. So uh, try to buffer her from that as much as I can. But that's all part of the process tough to sell a home. It is such a uh, personal thing many times when you've got a bunch of memories wrapped up into it and the new person coming in already sort of is viewing it as, all right, well, this is our home now. And so, you know, we want to, you know, just there's just sort of this change in dynamic that happens that if you're not prepared for, it can certainly kind of catch you off guard a little bit. And and you're you're hitting the nail right on the head for what I want to talk about today, because as a backup plan or what we're going to do next, All of the houses that we've had our eye on to potentially buy that are the right size or in the right price, they are falling like dominoes going under contract. So not only are we dealing with trying to sell on one one side, but then where are we going to go and where are we going to end up? There's another element of uncertainty to that. And every time we think we find something, it sells and we're just in this, you know, nonstop, seemingly unending struggle. Oh, yeah, that is a very tough situation to be in and uh, one that can be frustrating. And uh, that you're exactly right. Parallels perfectly to what we're going to be talking about on today's show. We're going to be taking a look at some of the things that have been happening in the news over the past month or so and some of the impacts that it could have on us and our financial lives individually. The The title of the show today, Guns, Gold, and Ammo. And this kind of all started, I guess, maybe the, the big thing that caught the headlines. And uh, full disclosure, we're recording today's episode while this activity in this news story is still unfolding. So by the time you listen to it, perhaps more has occurred in this story. But I think the general points of the uh, of the conversation here will still apply, no matter what the true outcome ends up being of some of these different news pieces that we talk about. But it's Saudi Arabia and the oil refineries and the attacks on those refineries and some of the fallout from those issues both worldwide and here at home in the U.S. I know this has been something that's really caught your eye and the eye of, of clients and uh, people that you talk with, Brian. Yeah, and and let me throw out, too, that the other event that also happened last week was T. Boone Pickens died at age 91. And uh, on the positive side, he was quite the pioneer in innovating natural gas as a energy source here in the United States, was a great contributor to our backup plan, if you will, for a global crisis or cutting off of an international oil supply. Both of those things actually occurred in the uh, in the same week. 
Yeah, and it's just uh, it's interesting. What kind of impact did you see this really have on? I guess there's lots of angles, right? Just the cost of gas uh, and, and oil, the cost of uh, you know the impact it had on the markets, and and lots of different little moving parts came out of that. Well, th- there's a lot of elements to it, but the the one I want to really focus on is what is your backup plan? So Saudi Arabia, uh, world's third largest oil producer. The U.S. actually is is number one. Uh, we went from a period of people thinking we were at peak oil to now we are the number one producer in the world. But Saudi Arabia is critical. They produce about 10% of the world's oil. And half of their production capability was taken out with some drone strikes. So as the story is unfolding, it appears to be an Iranian-backed attack from the Yemenis who the Saudis have been at— uh, well, have had some conflicts with over the past several years. So whatever the cause, uh, we've had a you know true shock to the global system, and it exposes the weakness of what a disruption could do to a budget or an income plan or your you know your fuel supply. So in and in another event, you know, Hurricane Dorian spent you know about a week and a half threatening the entire eastern seaboard, and we were unsure of you know if that was going to come on land. That would have disrupted, you know, everybody's lives. The grocery store shelves were were stripped bare, and it's always good when something like this happens to have a backup plan. Now, I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not a prepper. I don't think that you should be burying gold in the backyard and mason jars and stocking up on years worth of MREs in your bunker. But it reminds me tell you a little, little story about I, it. I did enjoy that show when it was uh being produced back uh a couple of years ago though the the doomsday preppers show with all the they'd interview and show all the preps people were doing for you know what they how they thought the world was going to end and what they were doing to get ready for it yeah i think it's a wtshtf moment when the <laughs> stuff hits oh, the fan gotcha yes <laughs> <laughs> Is what they they refer to it as, and uh, I don't. I'm not advocating for bug out bags and uh, you you know alternative living arrangements and all that kind of stuff. But just having the ability to have some liquidity or some backup supplies. Well, it reminds me of a trip I took to England back in uh, the mid '90s. And to be fair, I was not a particularly good student of history. And I definitely did not know a lot about medieval warfare. So I was at the Windsor Castle tour, huge compound if you've never been. It's, you know, it's still an active residence for the royal family, and the, they host a lot of banquets and, and events there. But there's the outer wall. There's an inner wall. And right in the center was this huge, round tower that was very inaccessible, and stupidly, I asked one of the tour guides, I said, what, what's that tower for? It looks like it's really hard to get to. And he looked down his nose at me and with a condescending British accent said, it's the castle keep. It's the last line of defense. And if you compare a income plan to a fortified castle, on a good day, you've got your outer walls open and you're mixing and mingling with with the local community and its peace and prosperity all around. And that's what we always hope for. That is your plan A. But if something bad happens, they close the gates and they've got the outer wall. Everybody comes in and tries to ride out whatever whatever bad is happening. 
But if that outer wall falls, you keep retreating in to the inner wall. And if that wall falls, you're going to end up you know, with your, mo- your most important people in the castle keep. And what is in the keep? That is the emergency rations, ammunition, and fortifications that you need to ride out the siege of the, of the castle. So I, I use that analogy or that comparison to, to take a look at income plans. Let's go back to the oil or the oil field attacks in, in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia actually has reserves much like the U.S. Strategic Reserve in different places around the world. They've got, they've got a facility in Japan, a facility in Denmark, and I think there was one other one where they've got backup oil that's outside of the, the kingdom. Donald Trump announced that we are going to tap the U.S. Strategic Reserves. But guess what? The U.S. Strategic Reserve only is a one-month supply of oil for the United States. Hmm. It's, it's that small of a reserve. So if you think about a major, you know, if you had some kind of a war, a shutdown of a major shutdown of, of Middle Eastern oil, we really aren't sitting on that huge of, of a reserve. So that got me thinking about what I would do or what I've advised clients to do to prepare for such an event. So yeah, it's a plan B, but a temporary plan B at that. And so it's interesting to kind of look at the uh, the different solutions that people try to come up with when they're putting in plan A's and B's and C's for disasters. Same thing when it comes to the financial side. Let's dig deeper there. You talk about those when stuff hit the fan kind of moments occur. What are some of those stuff hit the fan kind of moments you've seen throughout history and throughout your working life, Brian? And what have been your reactions as a planner, uh, as someone who helps folks protect the you know, money that they've spent a lifetime accumulating and are trying to use to live off of for the rest of their lives in retirement? What are some of those outer and inner walls that you've been able to put in place for people? Well, I've had the good, or maybe if you look at it from the other side of the table, the bad experience of living through two major market declines since the beginning of my career in in financial services. The first one was the dot-com bubble, and the market had a three-year protracted decline, and it took a couple of years for it to recover after the bottom was reached. Then also in 2008 and 2009, with the unfolding of the financial crisis, now that was a true financial crisis. That wasn't just an asset bubble popping in a specific sector. That was a potentially cataclysmic event. We, We got dangerously close to the world financial system actually seizing up. So my response to that, or I guess what I had learned and applied by living through those crises, was to have an adequate supply of cash, reserves, and dividends. And I remember a conversation I was having with some other financial planners, and I told, I made the comment that, oh, I have a five-year supply of cash for all of my clients who are in retirement and in distribution mode. And their jaws hit the floor. They looked at me like I was crazy. What was I? I was sitting on five years worth of cash. And I said, no, 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 no. Let let me explain. I don't have five years of your entire budget sitting in cash. I've looked at what a client has coming in from Social Security, from pensions, from annuities, from dividends on their investments, rental income, whatever the sources are. And then we measure the gap between what's coming in and what's going out for their sustained spending and and budget needs. 
And then I take that gap and multiply that by five. And that becomes the buffer number for how many years you can insulate yourself from a market decline. And when the market is going great and everybody's making money, uh, I get a lot of calls and questions. Hey, why are we sitting on all that cash? What's all that cash doing in our account? Shouldn't we be investing that and making money on it? I said, yeah, yeah, fair point. But one day you will like that cash. And in those white knuckle moments when the market is collapsing and crashing and the bad news abounds and people come in white knuckled, grabbing their statements, saying, what are we going to do? I say, remember that cash that you didn't like when the market was going up? It's here. You've still got the dividends. You've still got your pension. You've still got your social security. And we can wait five years until we need this market to come back before we have to sell anything to supplement your income plan. Oh, the blood starts flowing again. They can breathe. They're like, oh, I feel so much better. And, and so just something simple like that of knowing the mechanics of how your portfolio is working, how much you're going to need. And you can set the buffer to whatever level you want. If you want it to be five years or if you want it to be 10 years, I have some people take it as high as 10. But both of those market crises, and, and historically, if you go back, most market dips, you know, if it's a two or three year decline and a two or three year uh, recovery, you're looking at a you know, three to five year time period where we had some legitimate crises that we were able to ride out. We didn't have to sell portfolios when, when we were down and uh, everybody had the cash that they, they needed to, to supplement their income plan. If you take that then back to the short-term crises, the storms, the oil refinery attacks, heck, let's just say the power grid went down. What if you couldn't get to your ATM? What if your you know, electronic banking and, and wiring system didn't work? This is where I would go to my guns, gold, and ammo. What's in the castle keep? Do you have some cash on hand? I've had a couple of examples where clients that after hours, maybe after normal banking hours, couldn't go uh, you know, cash a check or something like that, needed to get their hands on a 1000 or $2,000. And it was a situation where they didn't take credit cards or they didn't take checks. They were so completely dependent and, you know, confident. It, it, it's nice that our, our economic system and, and financial system works so flawlessly most of the time. But in a situation where they had to get their hands on a thousand or two thousand dollars, they literally had no cash on hand. They did not have a backup plan. We actually had to troubleshoot how we could get that liquidity that they needed for, for an emergency situation. At the other end of the spectrum, my wife has an innovative solution to this guns, gold, and ammo problem. This goes back a little bit, Walter, but you remember the movie Schindler's List? Oh, yeah, of course. So do you remember the scene in there where he trades diamonds for, I think it was a number of workers or something like that. He bought off some German guards with, you know, with a, pocket, right. a little packet of diamonds. Well, diamonds over gold are a great way to actually have a concentrated, portable, even hideable amount of wealth. And so instead of having cash and uh, gold, my wife, Laura, was kind enough to accept an extra diamond. She wears her emergency fund. <laughs> well, you can always turn that direction if you need to, right? 
well, hopefully it's something she can enjoy for a long time, pass down to the kids, and uh, it never comes to that. But, you know, if a true emergency hit and we needed to flee the country, we, we've got a, a global source of currency. I uh, I suppose that's not plan B, though. That would be a little further down the alphabet. Yeah, I think that's pr- probably plan D or F. <laughs> gotcha. That's, uh, that's important. Uh, you know, and given all of those stories that you talk about and, and some of these issues that arise from, you know, not having a backup plan in place and, and why we're kind of calling this podcast guns, gold and ammo, some of these things that people do rely on is sort of to be their backup in their emergency fund. And, you know, something else that happened uh, in the news recently was uh, the death of T. Boone Pickens just happened in September. And, uh, you know, that was uh, what an interesting figure he was. And you talk about innovators uh, in the U.S. Uh, You mentioned earlier he was certainly one of them and kind of interesting that his death came around the same time that we saw these other oil stories come up. Yeah. And one thing I'd like to to point out, and I actually have some clients that are in this category, so I, I know a little bit about it and enough, maybe enough to be dangerous, but, you know, obviously with his innovations with, you know, promoting natural gas, and now we've got a lot of our electricity production in this country is from natural gas, a lot of buses and things run on natural gas. That was a big innovation and actually really put us at the top, again, for energy independence or energy security. Well, I mentioned the U.S. strategic reserves and that being a one-month supply of, of, of oil for the country. But all over South Dakota, this is the great thing about the United States. When we're faced with a crisis, when we're faced with a problem, we come up with innovative solutions. And uh, the natural gas obviously was one. Fracking was another. Uh, the oil sands up in Canada we're, we're finding a shale. There's multiple sources of oil that we found. Now, these are more expensive ways of getting oil potentially, but all over the Dakotas, the pipeline has been installed. The, the wells have been drilled and they do a, this horizontal drilling and they're actually using the ground as the storage container. So when the price is right, all throughout the, the Dakotas, I know, we have a, a line of, of people just ready to pump once the prices are, are high enough. So we, we actually have multiple lines of defense just within our own country. And a lot of that has come from the innovative, hardworking, and, and somewhat pioneering spirit that we have here in the United States. So I, I think whatever happens, we're very good at innovating and working our way around it. Even if you look at the, the financial crisis, you know, that came about as a innovation of mortgage derivative you know, types of financing, and it got a little out of hand. But we relatively quickly have, have recovered and, and moved back to prosperity. So I don't want to scare people and make them think that, you know, you do need a bunker in the backyard and years of, of supply of, of, of emergency rations. But be reasonable and have have some cash on hand. Know where your income's coming from. Know what you uh, have as a, a true hardship plan or emergency fund. It doesn't hurt you know to keep a little cash around. Possibly have some actual gold or currency in a in a safe uh, or safe deposit box. Th- those are not fringe ideas. 
I think the the average advice that someone would hear when it comes to planning for retirement and that kind of thing is, or just any time in life is going to be keep three to six months worth of expenses, you know, accessible. And but there's not really a whole lot of detail beyond that. So I think on today's podcast, you've given us some ideas for what goes beyond that. What level of detail are we actually talking about here? And you're going beyond even just saying, you know, let's keep a little bit in the uh, in the digital coffers. And it's not a bad thing to have some physical backup plans as well. Physical backup plans and alternatives and something other than electronic debit card, credit card, and uh, relying on the ATM for access to cash. It, we're in Georgia. I grew up in Minnesota. And in Minnesota, you could, I mean, it had to be severe for people not to make it to work, you know, get around. School only closed if it was serious. If you put snow in the forecast in Georgia, people will not show up to work. All of the bread and all of the water at the grocery store will vanish and people act like they're they're hunkering down for, you know, the apocalypse. And then the sun comes back out and we go back and it's really a non-event. But it's it's interesting to think if we did have any kind of a shutdown of the grid or we had any you know, more than a week or two prolonged type of an event. And again, the hurricanes can really set people back in, in a local market. But if we, if we had something more widespread, it would really make sense to have you know something liquid and accessible that you could get your hands on. Well, if you want to talk a little bit more about what's the proper emergency plan B, C, D, F for you to have uh, in your portfolio, that's something that you can always discuss with Brian Doe. If you would like to get in touch, have a conversation about that and other things that might be happening in your financial life as it comes to retirement planning uh, and investing and saving Reach out to Brian with your questions. You can reach him at makethedoughrise.com. There on the website, you can listen to past episodes of the podcast. You can request a copy of Brian's book, and you can schedule a 15-minute conversation over the phone right there as well on makethedoughrise.com. Just the name of the show, .com, makethedoughrise.com, your place to go to get all that information. And you can also give Brian a call as well. That number directly is 706 706- 451-9800. That's 706-451-9800. Good. And I think, Brian, an important discussion on today's show. But ultimately, I hope all of this advice, for the most part, is wasted and never actually needed for some of these plan Bs, Cs, and Ds, and certainly that plan F uh, that we were talking about earlier. Yes, purely a sleep well at night strategy. Not something we hope we need or, or plan to deploy. Hope for the best, plan for the worst. We'll keep that certainly in mind. Great conversation today. And if you've got those questions, don't be afraid to reach out to Brian. Again, makethedoughrise.com, your place to go online to get lots of great information there. That's another podcast in the books. We'll look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Be sure to come back and join us on Make the Dough Rise. In the meantime, subscribe on your favorite app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Look for us on your favorite app today. Just search for Make the Dough Rise and subscribe now. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise.
Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.